This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Today on our Late Boomers episode, we have a very special guest, Kim Yancey. Many of you who are familiar with eWomen Network will know Kim very well. And if you aren't familiar with eWomen Network, you will be by the end of this episode. They reach over 500,000 women across the US, Canada, and Australia. Kim is the co-founder and chief marketing officer and president of eWomen Network based in Dallas. He started out in the music business, though, as the drummer and composer in the funk band Sun. He launched one of the top multicultural ad agencies in the country and is the recipient of more than 200 advertising and creative awards of excellence and is the exec producer of the Glow Project and also Celebrity Science Branding. He was also a finalist for Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year. Say hello to our listeners, Kim. Hey, listeners, hello. <laughs> it's so much fun being with, uh, with you, Mary and Kathy. Well, tell us about the early days of your career when you had your funk band, Sun, based in Dayton, Ohio, and a record deal with Capitol Records. Yeah, you know, it was um, a dream come true. I, you know, I, I remember... Uh, having my first band, it was called Kim and the Killers. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we were totally harmless, but I mean, fifth grade, fifth grade, you know, we we're playing oh. around. And back then, you know, we just dreamed, you know, in the fifth grade of having a 45, you know. A, a, now, of course, depending on how old you are, you won't know what a 45 is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do. Us, we do. Us boomers know what it is. Yeah, I have yeah. a whole bunch of them. <laughs> but, um, no, those early days were just, you, you know, I have to tell you, um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but it, it always seems like it's in retrospect. It's always looking back and you realize that you had a lot more fun than you realize when you, <laughs> when you, when you look back on it. But it was, it was exciting and, and fun with a lot of, lot of dreaming, you know? Because you guys toured and you had a oh, gold yeah. record. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I uh, I know your husband, Ken, managed Lionel Richie, and we played with the Commodores when he was in the Commodores. Oh, uh, before Lionel was, was, was a solo artist himself. And so, yeah, we toured all over the world, South America, and because our band was very multicultural. You know, we had white, black, mixed, and who was, you know, who was that? It was just a very mixed group. And in South America, it's just like they, they just loved us. And so we uh, we just had a, a great time touring around and, and having that whole experience. And that, how long were you doing that? How many years? Well, you know, I, I call it my professional years, which was from 1975 to 1982. That was my concentrated time of touring with the band and cutting albums. I did um, five albums with the group. And, you know, the first two albums did okay. I mean, we had like, like our first, what I would call hit, and it was actually, we were number one in LA in 1976 with a song called, Want to Make Love Come Flick My Bick. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. great. Did I mean, you get was, a gold it, record from, with Flick My Bick? We, we, we did, it was our best selling um, single off that album and LA in particular, you know, here, here's the thing about records is we were number one in LA, but you know, maybe 30 in 
Cincinnati, you know, for example, you know, and, oh. and so, and so it was one of those, what I call uneven hits where it was be one in a market and another market to be lower and, and based on record promotion and all that kind of stuff. But no, it was, I'll never forget that come, going to LA in 1976, my first experience, it was just unbelievable because you guys had famous Amos cookies on Sunset Boulevard. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like right there, you know? It was it's amazing. not there anymore. I know. Long I know. Gone. I know. Long gone. Yeah. And that, we... and that Capitol Records building, that round building and all of that, you know, yep. it was it was especially cool pulling into Capitol Records and they had a gate. And the person would say, yes, can I help you? And I'd say, Kim Yancey with Sun. And they'd say, come on in. <laughs> oh, yeah. And realizing that's where the Beatles were and everybody else and Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. It was it was, um, it was really, really, you know, fun, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, and then you know, high, we stayed at the, at the Holiday Inn on Highland, which has now been replaced with... I don't know what hotels there now. You know, they, they've torn that down, and a whole new hotel's built up, and that's where you know that incredible shopping area and theater and everything. Yeah, is, right there. I remember. But that was our that was those were our stopping grounds, mm -hmm. right there, at Highland and um, Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. I I live right near there, underneath the Hollywood sign, so I know it well. Now, but... Was that you? I saw on July July eighth, nineteen seventy six. <laughs> I'd love to say I was a toddler then, but no, yeah. <laughs> wasn't me. But yeah. I have to say, I w I've watched some of your videos and, and listened to some of Sun's recordings on YouTube, and you were really, really terrific. I I just love all your songs like I Had a Choice. Um, and I was wondering, why did you give it up? Well, you know, the music business is just like... A bus any business. I mean, you know, you, I, we, our third album came out, and that was the only album that we had that went gold from a selling standpoint. So the first album did fine, and you know, in the R and B market, and the second album did fine. And I remember our manager saying to us, "Hey, listen, Capital, we've got a five album deal with Capital Records, but guys, I got to tell you something. This uh, this third album has got to have a spark to it." And I'm going to tell you guys a, tr a, a r true story here. There were At that time, there were seven people in the band. Five guys in the band decided to um, leave the band at once. It was kind of like a mutiny play where the leader of the band and myself were good friends. And, and the other five guys just felt like, you know, there was a different kind of music, a different kind of vibe that they wanted to create. And right before going in the studio, they quit. And so all of a sudden... Wow, I, that's I, terrible. I, yeah, it was, but you know what? It was it was wonderful for all of us because they left, and we brought in new people, new young artists to come in and join us, and we all started writing songs, and it was my first time actually writing music that I felt confident enough that you know maybe I got a, a shot here at someone liking a song. And on that album in particular, there were two songs that I wrote. One was called Sun Is Here, which became one of our biggest themes. Uh, marching bands around the country would play the song Sun Is Here. And then um, on that same album was I Had a Choice. And that, that has become the most listened to song of all the Sun songs on YouTube. I mean, it, there are millions and millions and millions of people that have viewed that song. I mean, listen to that song. And all the comments that have gone with it. Well, if those other five guys hadn't quit, I know for me, I wouldn't have written anything. We wouldn't have had some of the music that we had. And um, they went on a, a they went a different route, and the, you know, and and they had you know marginal success, but they didn't have the success that Sun had once they left. Once they left, <laughs> it opened up it opened up an opportunity. And and I think that's one of the key things as I think about just life lessons is that. Sometimes when you think, oh, this is awful, this is terrible, turns out to be a wonderful thing, um, and, 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 it, and it moves you to a place you're supposed to be, you know, both emotionally and professionally. But anyway, so uh, we did the, um, so that album, when that album came out, we started flying around in Lear Jets and the OJs, and so that album came out in 1978. 
that same year the OJs came out with a song called She Used to Be My Girl. And I mean, they were on fire. And so the OJs asked if we would go on to, we would be like the opening act for the OJs. So we, we did that year. We, we were flying around in jets and Peebo Bryson and, you know, just, just, you know, the Gap Band and the Ohio Players, the Commodores. These were all funk bands. And we were just playing at big stadiums and auditoriums and arenas, um, not as the headline act, but as the, as the you know, opening or the middle act. And it was just, you know, it was just great. It was just, in fact, I remember, and I'm going to get to your question about why did we, why did we, we ended um, in, in 76, we were in LA, <laughs> we played the Shrine Auditorium with a group called the Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> and now this tells you how fast you can go from being, you know, high as a kite and, and all of a sudden you're like thinking, oh gosh, we don't, we don't amount to much. We go to our dressing room in 1976 and we walk in and there's this beautiful round container with ice and Coca-Cola and all these different, you know, uh, uh, sodas. And then they had a spread of, of, of um, checks and, and, and nuts and, and M&Ms. And, and finally they had like a little tray with little um, sandwiches, ham sandwiches, cheese, that kind of thing. That was it. Well, we walked into that room and that was the first time we'd ever experienced anyone providing food and things like that for us. So we're, we're like pulling out cameras, taking pictures, you know, we're like really excited. We're like really thrilled. And we step outside our, our, our dressing room and we see this catering company dressed like Roman gods carrying things like roasted pig on a spigot. And I mean, I'm literally, it looked like this army of, 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 of Roman uh, servants delivering an unbelievable walking feast, like, unlike anything we'd ever seen, to the Parliament Funkadelic dressing room. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, that's funny. You know? and so, it was so funny. We're drinking our Cokes, thinking we're the greatest things in sliced bread, and watching this parade of other food go by. That's when you learn where you stand, you know. The life of a rock star, huh? <laughs> yeah, but you, but you know what? It, it it as much as I love it, and I wouldn't change anything about it. It was fast. I mean, it was feast and famine, you know. And it, it's kind of the classic music story, right? I mean, all of a sudden you can play your pay your rent, and then several months later you can't pay your rent. It's the the story of getting a royalty check, and and you know you've been broke for so long that you get a royalty check for thousands and thousands of dollars you know and all of a sudden you just feel like i'm gonna go buy a car you aren't thinking <laughs> how much tax has got to come out of this you know how much do i need to set aside and all that you aren't thinking yeah. that yeah you know yeah so so uh, when did you found your ad agency was it because the group finally broke up or you, you know so so after the fifth album we were in rio de janeiro that was our last gig with peter frampton down there in rio de janeiro and I told the leader at that group, I said, I, I, I can't go any further. I, I, you know, because we were just having money challenges. It was all money challenges. Mm -hmm. And um, I love the leader of the band and we we're all trying as best we could, but we just couldn't come up with anything stable enough for us, you know? And so I ended up deciding if I'm gonna struggle like this, then I'm gonna struggle by myself and I'm gonna try to write some things and do some things. So. So I started, I, I came back to Dayton and I had some royalty money and I started going to the studio and I started recording and working on projects and I would take them out to LA to go to, to meet with different um, record labels and they would say, you're, you know, not, not quite there, but you're getting close. Just keep it coming. Well, in the meantime, while you're keeping it coming, you got to pay your bills. So I got a job in a restaurant and while I'm at this restaurant and, 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 and as a server, and I, I, I took this job far outside of Dayton, Ohio, where I lived, because I didn't want anybody who knew me from being in Sun and having a gold album and being on Soul Train and being on all these shows to see me as a waiter. <laughs> and, you know, I just thought, I just, not that anything's wrong with that, but I just thought, you know, gold album guy, waiter guy now. And um, while waiting at that, at, there, I wrote a jingle for the restaurant. And 
the restaurant didn't buy the jingle. They didn't go with it. But I used that jingle to show people, other, other businesses in town, what kind of work I would do. And my jingle business just took off. All of a sudden, writing this jingle and all these musician friends in town, um, we were writing and doing jingles like nobody's business. And it just took off. We're doing jingles and sounds for radio stations and everything else. And, and through that, I had clients who we were doing jingles for who said, listen, do you guys do artwork? Do you do TV commercials? Do you do any of that? And I said, well, not really, but they liked our music so much. They said, listen, do a commercial for me. Let's see how it looks. I mean, if it's good, maybe you guys can be my agency. And that's exactly what happened. We started doing TV ads. We started designing billboards. I brought on a staff. And before I knew it, 15 years later, I was selected as Ohio's businessman of the year. We're making millions, doing millions of dollars in, in revenue. And I had 40 employees. And I mean, it's like, it was, you know, it's like, it's a funny thing happened on the way to living your life, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, th- and this is a little off our time timeline. We're going to jump. But you also founded a company that I wanted to ask you about called Live Happy. Yes. And was this as a result of your research on happiness or how did you discover that research and get interested in that? Well, th- there was a good friend of mine and, and he um, had launched a positive TV network and he and I would get together and we would talk about, you know, the, the value and the importance of happiness and that, you know, happiness is just not a frivolous word. I mean, it's, in fact, happiness isn't for sissies. It's something that you really have to work at. I mean, it's, it's, you have to invest in happiness. There's a, there's a happiness protocol, you know what I mean? But it it won't just happen to you. And, um, you know, and we, we decided that uh, doing the research that we wanted to create a magazine that was filled with the science behind happiness. Like how does happiness work? You know, like Mm -hmm. what's it really all about? And, um, so for one year, I, I actually left eWomen Network for one year to really launch and focus on this, this whole concept around happiness. And, um, and that was, you know, a real eye-opening experience as well, you know, because, you know, here's the thing. It's a magazine, and we had great writers and great content and great information and around positive psychology. But a magazine has to live by advertising and it was really interesting me and my buddy me and my friend we would joke about the fact that everybody wants to be happy but nobody wants to pay for it (laughs) (laughs) can you give us some pointers on the science of happiness well you know first of all 50 percent of who you are is built into your dna you know we have people that you know you say, oh, this is just a, a jovial, happy, affable person, you know, and someone else is always, uh, you know, maybe being a downer or a bummer. Well, the fact of the matter is 50 percent of, of your of of who you are is already in your DNA. And then you've got, you know, approximately about another 30 percent is all based on your environment, the kind of environment that you're in. So really, it's about 20 percent of happiness is something that you have a choice about. You can make a decision about something. You can decide, I'm going to read this book that lifts me and inspires me and, 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 and fills me up, or I'm going to waste my time and I'm going to, you know, go a different path or, or get deep in the drugs. What, you know, whatever that choice, you get to make that, make that choice. But, you know, it, it, there are definite things that you can do um, to change your outlook on happiness. You know, I kind of refer to it as happiness hygiene. And this is where, you know, you know, some of the classic things that you can do is, is first of all, gratitude is central to happiness. If, if, you, if you aren't grateful, if you, if, you can't, if you don't feel gratitude for where you are, your health, the things that, that, that um, there are, you know, I mean, enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the beauty of nature, but, uh, you know, having gratitude is central to, to happiness. The other side of this is, is the things that you do, that you do for others. For example, Mary, to you know, if I were to get up in the morning and send a note to you just to tell you how incredibly special it was that we had that time yesterday, and you know, where I call that investing and in letting another person know that they mattered, that they were special. See, there are two things that happen around the whole concept of giving. You know, there's been a lot of lot written about the power of giving, and I tell people all the time 
that that the giver always gets gets it twice. And what I mean by that is I can give you something. I can give you a compliment. I can give you money. I can give you, you know, help you out your tires flat, you know, so I can be giving in that way. Right. And that's going to be very special for you. And I'm going to feel like that's just, it's nice that I did that. But the second thing that you get that is priceless is that feeling that I'm a good person, that I am a good person that I did something really special yeah. and it's what I call that second hit around what what just happened you know mm-hmm. and so there you know there's been you know all kind of science around you know a a happy salesperson is going to sell 30 percent more product and services because they're happy because of the you know the, the glow the energy that comes off that person you know so it's it it, 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 it's incredible, but it is a practice. That is the thing that I, that I think most people miss is that it, it is a practice and it's something that you work on and you, and you bring consciousness, you know, to it every day. You know, our daughter went to uh, UC Berkeley and one of their undergraduate courses there is the happiness course. Yes. It's being taught in quite a number of colleges and she took it. So I was really grateful for that because I knew those kind of concepts she'd be learning. So it's oh, yeah. great. They're teaching it now. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's, it's some of the, the statistics that you, people might be surprised and happy about, but the happy people have a 23% reduction in stress, 39% better health, they're 31%, their productivity is 31% higher. They have 23% more energy. They're three times more creative and 37% more sales. I mean, this is measured information. So, um, you know, purpose plus progress equals happiness. Your purpose plus progress towards your goal equals happiness. There's a, there's a Greek definition around happiness that I really like. And it is, it, it, it's, and it's, it's very simple, but it's the joy you feel striving toward your goal. So it's the joy you feel striving toward something that you care about. That's meaningful. I Perfect. love that. That's beautiful. Thank you. You know? Yeah. I, have I mean, to- think, about, think about those times. Yeah. You know, honestly, Mary, think about those times when, you weren't inspired, you weren't motivated. What, what were you doing? You know what I'm saying? And we all have moments, you know, moments throughout our course of our timeline. That's so true. Uh, You and your wife, Sandra Yancey, who has been a guest on our Late Boomers podcast, founded, as you mentioned a little earlier, eWomen Network. When did you start it and how has it grown and changed over the years? Well, it was started in 2000, and um, it, it, we really started it to trying to handle a problem we were having ourselves. We had just moved to Dallas, and Sandra had her master's in organization development, and we lived close. We lived in an area called Plano, and in Plano, there's Dr. Pepper and... I mean, you know, EDS, a variety of major corporations, FedEx, and, you know, just all kinds of huge organizations. And I said to Sandra, I said, you know, there are people in those organizations that are looking for you, but they don't know who you are. They're looking for you, but they don't know who you are, how to reach you, how to talk to you. And, of course, there are people in those organizations you need to know because, you know, as you're looking to grow your grow your practice. And because my background has always been multicultural marketing – that included women. And I always found myself on different committees around uh, women's programs, women's empowerment programs, even when I had my advertising agency and the multicultural stuff I did. And I said to Sandra, I said, you know what? If you're having this problem, you know other you know, female professionals are having this same problem. So imagine this is 2000. There was no Facebook, no LinkedIn, no Instagram. No, you know, I mean, that stuff didn't exist. And our idea was to create an online network where women could online network. And so in its simplest form, Kathy and Mary, we wanted to create an online database. 
that women could go to and say, look, I want to, I want to get a contractor, but I want it to be a female contractor. I'm going to get a plumber, but I want it to be a female plumber. The whole idea was to recycle dollars in the, in, in the women's economy to help lift and grow women's businesses. That was the whole concept. And no sooner, in fact, this really just, one of our members who was a, a friend of our family uh, who had joined the E-Women Network locally in, in Dallas, because it was, it was the hottest thing in Dallas back then. And I remember she said, listen, I'm going to be having a little get together at my house. And I just think it'd be so cool if uh, Sandra, you and Kim came to this little get together, you know what I mean? Um, and, and I'm going to call a few members to see what we can do. And this was right around the corner for our house, but it was you know, far enough that we still needed to drive. So we decided to drive to this house. And as we're driving, all of a sudden, somebody in the neighborhood is having a party because there's no place to park. There's no place to, I mean, it, we practically had to drive back to our house, get out and walk to the party, trying to figure out who's having this big party. We get to the house and that big party was her party. She had invited a few E-Women members who called some other members who called some other members. All of a sudden, this woman has 150 women in her house oh, wow. right there in the neighborhood. We were blown away. And Sandra stood up on the, st on the st steps in her house and began to talk a little bit about E-Women Network and what she was trying to do. There were women that were flying in from around the country to come and see what E-Women Network was about because they wanted to see if they couldn't um, take the concept and put it in their city. But they wanted to do it in a franchise-like thing. That, like, they didn't want to try to create it. They wanted to be a part of us. And so we had people coming in, flying in. They'd come in and see what this, see what this is. And that was never part of our design. That was never in our purview. In fact, we learned that when women said you know, we want to network online and we, you know, great. You don't have, you know, you're not going to have meetings. What we found out is you got to watch what people say and you can listen to what people say, but watch what their behavior does. What you say and what your behavior does are two entirely different things. So it, it, there was no doubt that the women, once they got in, they wanted to meet, they wanted to connect. They wanted to be face to face. And that's what started the whole thing. And we all of a sudden, we had to invest in technology. We had to, you know, put together a whole structure. So now, you know, we have, you know, 118 chapters led by managing directors. We compensate them. It's not free. I mean, you know, they're paid to lead those chapters. We involve them in, you know, a revenue share with the company. Um, the mission is very, very simple. Let's get, let's get a million women um, to a million dollars in annual revenue, you know, that we know that we want to, we want to be very, very specific in connecting women and sharing resources and, and getting a hundred, get a, get a million women to a million dollars in revenue. So that's, you know, that's our focus. So now we offer a variety of programs to support that effort and train people all over the country. And I love that as your goal. It's wonderful. And I also want to ask you, Kim, what is your favorite part of your duties at eWomen? You know, the company challenges me. It really does. I mean, you know, depending on when a person listens to this podcast, we would have, um, we will be in the pandemic right now, or we might have passed it. And that's created a whole nother level of challenge. And I, so let me say this. Never is there a moment where I'm ever, ever bored at E-Women Network. I mean, <laughs> we're in a building. We're in a, we're, in a, we're in a mirrored glass building. Sandra's got an office down the hall. And, and um, you know, I work on all the marketing. So I'm constantly, the market is changing so rapidly. I'm constantly engaged in new, learning new things um, and doing new things. Part of my personal fulfillment, though, but inside of that, we launched a division of E-Women Network about five years ago called Celebrity Science. And that's really pulling from my advertising background of working on companies and company brands and taking everything I learned from that, plus all the new things I've learned through E-Women Network to work on the 
individual brand, the person brand, you know, the you brand. And that is extremely satisfying for me because it allows me to work with someone one-on-one and design a plan working with them. We bring them into Dallas, Kathy, and I mean, they're in a conference room and we're spending, think about this, when's the last time you've gone into a conference room and there's a team of people on the other side of the conference table while the entire focus is on you, what you're trying to do, ways to get there, working out the image, working out concepts. I mean, puts a whole entire plan around you. I mean, it is, it is electrifying. And uh, so we, we, you know, and then my daughter, Brianna, who's, who's phenomenal, um, you know, from a very early age, she was into fashion, beauty, makeup, hair, and all that. And she's an incredible hairstylist, makeup artist. And she takes that skill and she's, and she's a producer within celebrity science. And, we work, it's, it's really, in fact, uh, very gratifying to be sitting next to my daughter in a strategy session and everything she says, I'm like, ditto. Like, I'm, you know, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm, and, and we're both, you know, we'll, we'll see someone and we'll change their hair color. We bring in a stylist. We bring in new, new clothes. We're cutting video. We're doing all kinds of things, working on scripts, helping them find their voice and all of that. And um, that's, that's created a whole other level of fulfillment for me and fun for me uh, as it Fabulous. relates to helping others discover yeah. their, their personal brand. You've Fabulous. taught her well. Yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah, and, and that leads me into a question I have. Um, how's raising a family been for you and Sandra since you worked together and now you're working with your daughter as well? Well, you know, in the early years, it was really tough. And I saw very early that, um, I, you know, I have to take care of this this one issue. And that issue was we needed child care help and we needed it in home. And we were able to find a woman that was just fabulous who literally Monday through Friday came to our house and worked a 40-hour work week, basically, and you know, the money we were making, you know, it was so important to us that we to invest back in our family. Right. But we knew we wanted to make sure the kids were taken care of. Right. Because Sandra and I were like we had to make a decision when it came to E-Women Network. We, we, we had talents in other areas. I could have started another advertising agency, all kind of things we could have done. But if we're going to do this, we had to put everything else to the side. And, and, and you know, I, I, I kind of picture it like this, like sitting on a fence. And you got one one leg in on one side and one leg on the other side. And we finally had to say, look, we're either going to swing both our legs around to one side and jump in or we're not going to do this. And we had to make a decision together. This is what we're going to do. So once we did that, we and, and we also then realized that she can't travel the way she needs to because doing what she has to do, she's the ambassador for the company. So she would have to go to these different cities. And, you know, and doing the things that I'm doing at the end the company. So we brought in this, this, this woman to help us. So that made a big difference. So it allowed us that during the day and getting back and forth to school when uh, we were tied up or something, someone could do that. That was, that was the choice that was right for us. And if you ask the kids, they'll tell you, they don't have any memory of us not being at something that was important to them. See what's oh, the key. Fabulous. See, see the key thing is, something that was important to them. We never miss anything that was important to them versus trying to be everywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? Trying to yeah. be everywhere. You know, what was important to them? We were at the important things. We always, every, everything evolved around that. So now they're adults. And, um, and having Donna, I mean, we never, I never, Sandra never envisioned this, that Brianna would want to come and work for the company. Literally, Brianna came and applied for a job with the company. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was everything from, you know, like, like, why do you want to do this? I don't want you to, you know, I mean, it's very important that your voice and your, what matters to you is, is your career and everything. And she says, I love what E-Women Network's about. I love what it stands for. You know, I don't want to be an outsider looking in. I want to be a part of the solution. And she saw that as something that, was deeply meaningful, meaning, meaningful for her. And for and, both of you, for and, sure. Oh, oh, for both of us as well. Very special. I just want to make sure she wasn't doing it because 
she thought it was going to be a, you know, just a lay down job with mom and dad's company or something. You know what I mean? I want to make sure it was something that really was in alignment with her, her beliefs and her vision for herself, you know? Yeah, that's great. And so she does great. Can you tell us also about the glow project? And, and so I used to hear Sandra when she was out on the road, she always was talking about finding your glow. She used the word glow in place of the word passion. And she felt that glow was more than passion, that, that, that glow like encompass an area of, yes, we're going to go through pain. Yes, we're going to have challenges. But our glow never has to leave us. That our glow never has to wander away, you know. And um, I love that concept. And, and we decided that, especially after seeing the movie The Secret, um, The Secret really for us get and for a lot of people showed us a new way to take our glow concept and, um, and get the word out. And so the whole idea behind glow was to, was to take, to interview 15 women, half of them would be major corporate achievers, like the vice president of consumer products for the NFL. And, um, and then the other half would be like multi-million dollar women entrepreneurs like Sheila Johnson, who, her and her husband started BET and they're billionaires and to really interview them and find out what glow meant to them. And through that process, we ended up creating a docu movie called the glow project that was so impactful. And by the way, people bought the movie. The movie was $29 and 95 cents. And we had people buying five and 10 movies at a time. We had people from, Companies like MetLife putting the movie on for a couple of hundred women in a lunchroom to watch the movie because the movie showed an expression and an authenticity that you never hear women share like this from from the standpoint of being major corporate achievers and multi-million dollar women business owners that have gone through all kinds of different things. And they all embraced the power and the meaning of what glow meant to them. And the net effect and the Orlando film festival, they, when they, we, the movie was screened there, they said it was the most, the, that year, that it was the most um, inspiring movie for women they, that's ever been released. It's so still available. Is it still it's still available? available. You can go yeah. onto YouTube and just watch the trailer. Um, just YouTube and go to the glow project mm-hmm. and you can see trailers and all that. And um, every, every member who becomes a member of even network gets a free copy of the, they download oh. the movie. Yeah. yeah. So okay. in your case, I'll send you both a link. Oh, that would be <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> we yeah. can't wait. Yeah. I'd love that. <laughs> I, I, I just have to tell you, there was a woman who saw the movie um, multi-million dollar, you know, um, success story she is she saw the movie and this incredibly successful woman after the movie's over she says i gotta get busy i said her name was pam i said what do you mean she says that movie makes me feel like i need to get busy and i (laughs) and i'm like pam you're already an incredible success story she says that movie made me realize that i can do more i was incredible it was just you know everybody has a different experience with it fantastic I understand you have a full studio at your Dallas offices for shooting documentaries and clients' projects and doing branding. Yeah, Tell us I, about that. Has that been fun? Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's especially fun when you walk out the door and you're doing this and boom, there's, there's your production studio. And, and, and what's really unique about it is <laughs> we only have to have one point of view, and that's the female point of view. So the studio and the, the glam room and all of that is all set up from the female perspective. And so it's amazing because I'll hear women who will come in and say, I feel so good here. Uh, I love what I feel like. I, I feel like I can express myself. You know, this, these are all things that, you know, when, when um, you're doing something that, that we didn't realize that the feeling, you know, we knew we were doing something special, but 
it, it really validates it when people tell you that, you know, I, it, it's comfortable for me. It's easy for me. It's, it's, it's mm. a supportive environment that brings out the best of me. Fabulous. And a couple of things I wanted to ask you also is how did you grow eWomen Network by bringing in sponsorships? And a double question, what advice would you give our listeners about the best way to market their businesses or themselves? So sponsorships, because of the advertising agency and I, and I work with so many companies, you know, I knew that what we were doing was a great fit for a lot of companies. And I, I, um, so very early on, I mean, our, let me tell you who our sponsors are. I mean, American Airlines, uh, American Express, um, Ameriprise, auto insurance. Um, uh, we did a whole huge program with Office Depot. Office Depot used to have a program for women entrepreneurship and um, they ended up coming to us to have have us structure and run a whole series of programs for them. So we had Office Depot. We, I mean, just in, incredible, incredible partners. Dell computers, and uh, we're really blessed with that. And now, you're, now the sponsors are changing uh, because of the dot com boom, and they're changing in ways that, that these are mega companies, and most people have not heard of them. You know, like if I say to you, Click Funnels, most people don't know who Click Funnels is. Click Funnels is a major sponsor for eWomen Network. And that's because there's a whole new level and a different kind of work that women are doing. But the, the sponsors, you know, and I've always had a philosophy that I never went after a sponsor because I, because, uh, I never went after a sponsor because they were advertising on TV or I heard them on a radio commercial. I always look for what was the fit? What was it? that this sponsor could bring to the women of eWomen Network that really supports them and makes sense. And so that required me doing research and different things on them to make sure that where they were coming from was um, in sync with who we are and what we're trying to do. I had one bad experience and it, it, it wasn't the sponsor's fault, but we learned something very valuable. And that was one year we had a drug manufacturer who, uh, was a sponsor of eWomen Network. And uh, we like the people with the company, but this is a major drug company. So if I told you the name, you'd know the name right away. And, um, and, and if I told you the drug that they wanted us to talk about or just to share with the women, you'd know what that was too. Well, that only happened once because I mean, the backlash that we received was so, oh. so immediate, you know what I mean? Um, because you know, it's just, it's just one of those decisions that you made at the time. You know, at the time, they had a women's initiative and they were doing all kinds of things. But under, but underneath that women's initiative was buy my drugs. You see what I mean? Yeah. And that one got that one got past us. But 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 anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I, I digress. But when it comes to your brands, I will t I tell people all the time. First of all, you know, you. You really need to make sure that your niche is in alignment with what your sponsor is trying to do, that, that you are compatible, that what you can do for them uh, is something that's meaning, meaningful for them. And then what they can do for you is something meaning, meaningful for you, uh, whether that's giving you dollars or support or whatever it might be. But it's also important that you look like you're sponsor worthy. I mean, you've got, if your sponsor is really buttoned up and crisp and clean, guess what? You better be buttoned up and crisp and crisp and yeah. clean as well. I mean, you've got to mirror that image. You can't, you know, um, but you also, it, it, it's about consistency. It's like your show. I mean, one of the things I love about your, your, your podcast is how consistent you are. So just being consistent, you thank know, you. Um, <laughs> yes, no, no, you. thank you. <laughs> that, that is a major thing that so many people don't do is, is, is be consistent because it's always in the doing that you're, that your signature voice, your signature style emerges. The, like the more you do, you know, if I go listen to your first podcast and listen to your most recent podcast, I'm, there's going to be a difference and it's going to continue to evolve, you know, and your guest profile is going to continue to evolve. But it's very important to start to start that. You know, we learn too. We don't let people come to our conference and use profanity. You know, that's just not in vogue for it. That's not who we are. One of our sponsors, SD Lauder, we had, went to one of our breakout sessions at our conference, and one of the speakers there used the F-bomb. And the sponsor came out and said, hey, listen, I just want to be real clear with you. 
if that ever happens again, we're pulling our sponsorship. You know what I mean? Like you got to be in touch with what matters to your sponsors and your and and the environment you're trying to create. So mm-hmm. there, there are just all kinds of nuances, uh, especially today. But, but it's 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 you you've got to present an image to your sponsors and people who could sponsor you that is exciting to them and that they want to attach their name to what you're doing because they think what you're doing is making a difference is going to cast a positive glow on them. Good. There's the glow word. Great advice. Thank you. And tell us a little about the foundation you and your wife, Sandra, founded, the eWomen Network Foundation. It supported humanitarian outreach uh, to help those affected by Hurricane Katrina. And you earned an American Hero Award. With yeah, that. the we the um, we when we started E Women Network, giving was right there with us. We just felt that we wanted a giving culture. In fact, the the if you want to call it our magic sauce, so to speak, or special sauce, is that for us networking is about giving. And we were saying this twenty years ago when other people didn't say it that way. They weren't thinking about or understood the principle around. You network to give, not to get. And that changes everything when you network to give. How can I help you? And, um, and you'll feel better. And that's one of those happy happiness key elements as well. So what we did is, but we also wanted to involve our chapters in our community. So we started doing fundraising events at the chapters. And when the chapters reached a certain amount of money, uh, 10, 15, $20,000, that made them eligible to identify a local not-for-profit in their community that we would award a cash grant to. And we have, we have you know, just awarded millions and millions of dollars in cash grants to deserving small nonprofits. So we focus on the small nonprofits that are doing big things, doing great work. Um, and... And not only that, but we fly them into Dallas for our conference because we want we we don't want this to be just a transaction where here's a check. Thank you very much. I hope, you know, I hope everything goes all right. We want our members to know them by name. We want them to experience them shoulder to shoulder. We want them in the culture so they know that they're not alone, that that this gift is from a network of women who support you. And then we also started doing it with what we call emerging leaders, you know, young women who are, uh, you know, emerging from the age of, of 17 to 25 that are doing really cool entrepreneurial things. And we call that our, our emerging leader award. And with that award, we fly them into Dallas, take care of their hotel bill. We, we feed them. We take them, they, 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 win a an award on stage in front of the audience for to be as as emerging leaders uh we tell the audience what they're doing i mean it's 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 incredible and all that is supported through the chapters and the members and then we also we also award a humanitarian of the year and fly that person in and give them and in that case they get a bigger donation anywhere from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars and then we get that match with in-kind services from companies like Dell and other people who further support that initiative. And so they get a, they get a big check and it's, and that's, that's, that is central to what eWomen Network is all about, you know, fantastic uh, making it all work. That's wonderful. And Kim, we're winding up soon, but is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to mention? (laughs) You know, I, you I'm might just, have missed something. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I just, I, I think you want to. I love what you're, uh, what you're doing, and what your show's all about. You know, I think that, especially as boomers, you know, um, the, the, the teaching and 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 stimulating our thinking and and um, allow allowing us to get, you know, inspired. I mean, I just think it's. It's it's so so important so important you know because it's so easy to get stuck in a rut you know it's just an easy thing to do it's so easy to feel like you know everything is awful I mean and there's so much to be thankful for you know and uh, you know all of us have gone through a very very difficult time 2020 and. 
but there's some lessons there's some major lessons there's some major learnings for all of us you know as we as we navigate through this so no i think i appreciate this opportunity to be with you i appreciate the questions um i know i just kind of took off on some things so i, I love it thank you for uh, being with us today yeah it's wonderful yeah yeah thank you so much and thank you for your compliments and and your inspiration and to all of our listeners, our guest today on Late Boomers has been Kim Yancey, the Chief Marketing, Marketing Officer and President of eWomen Network. And you can check him out at the eWomen Network website. And thank you so much, Kim, for talking to us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Appreciate it. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.